You're listening to Behind the Wheels with Doug Mason, Dave Walters, and Mike Yeagley. This is a show where we talk about heavy truck and medium-duty axolands. Doug, Dave, and Mike bring close to 100 years of experience and expertise in the transportation business. Join us once a month to learn new things about axolands. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation. Well, welcome to another episode of Behind the Wheels. I'm Mike Yeagley. And I'm Doug Mason. I'm Dave Walters. Today we have uh, very excited to have uh, Mark Manoli from our Alcoa Wheels Europe. Well, Mark, I'll let you in- introduce yourself. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background and what you do there? I'm uh, Mark Minoli, and I started with uh, Alcoa Wheels in '93 uh, as a uh, area manager, so occupied with sales and uh, marketing. And uh, throughout the years, um, I had uh, various positions, uh, be working in the Benelux, and um, later on um, started working in Europe, the Middle East, to it. And uh, now I'm hosting uh, technical stuff as well as uh, after sales, as well as provide trainings to internal and external staff. It's more or less in a nutshell what I've been doing so far. Well, I would say, Mark, you're being a little bit humble. I guess my impression of your work there is you are probably one of the industry, you are the industry expert when it comes to wheels, especially with wheels, but you're, you also have a great understanding of the of the whole axle end. I would say you are probably the equivalent of what Dave Walters does here in the, in the U.S., and so really, really happy to have you on the show and looking forward to talking to you a little bit about what's going on. We'll probably have a few shows on this. Let's start out with a discussion on the differences between North America, which are most of our listeners are going to be in North America, and, and Europe. What are the differences between the two markets? Well, <laughs> um, I have not been in the States lately, but uh, the one big uh, difference uh, in terms of uh, if you look at the highways, if you look at the uh, the fleets, is that um, in the United States you have these typical uh, U.S. Uh, American trucks, as we call them over here, and in Europe you mostly see cap-over designs, as, as they call it. You may want to explain that a little to, to the audience. But um, this has got also to do with the regulations in terms of length. In Europe, um, the majority, or let's say all of the countries, have a maximum length for both tractor and trailer. We see a few cab-over designs over here, but they're not real popular. So I'm going to take a crack at trying to describe what a cab over is. Um, in the U.S., you'll see them occasionally. They are basically a, a flat face to the uh, to the front of the vehicle. The driver is sitting directly over the steer axle. It gives a gives a much rougher ride than what we call here in the U.S. We call it a conventional uh, cab design. But the cab over, because you're sitting directly over the the front axle. Uh, it's really difficult to damp out the vibrations. It is a much, much rougher ride. Mark, any other comments on cab over design? Well, I think it would be good for Mark to describe what some of the, the benefits and the reasons for the cab over design in Europe. Um, I think it has to do with some regulations and just some practicality. 
the reason, the, 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 um, the major reason, of course, is that there is a maximum length and um, we have dense areas, very populated areas with uh, high density of traffic and, and, and small curves, as, uh, roundabout, lots of roundabouts. That's also what trucking industry is complaining about. We have an enormous amount of uh, roundabouts. Conventional trucks and uh, huge lengths in terms of, of, of tractor and trailer that will not fit uh, certain certain roads, uh, especially in, uh, inside uh, some areas. The other benefit of it is that uh, the space that is limited is uh, uh, being used quite quite well uh, in this case. So that's more or less what's happening. And in terms of smoother rides, it is quite uh, interesting to see that the trucking industry and truck OEMs is doing a lot to, um, uh, for the comfort of the driver. So all these cabs uh, actually have uh, air suspension. Um, also the drive axle uh, do have, majority of drive axle have air suspension as well, parts of the um, front axle or uh, air suspension. So in terms of drivability and comfort, it has improved. But again, uh, if you talk to fleets, if you talk to drivers, they really love the, the conventional trucks, uh, what you have over there in the United States. Are you seeing more like sensitivity to like wheel balance, um, those kinds of issues in cab over design, especially in the steer axle versus well, like here in the U.S., most most of the fleets don't even balance their wheels. What do you see over there? It's not only about balancing; it's also about the um, uh, axle and not front axle. So we have out of seven truck OEM, five of them do balance and the wheels, wheels, wheel tire assemblies on the front axles. They have a certain um, values um, they are looking at. Uh, drive axles um, are not balanced uh, on these, these trucks or tractors. So the balancing mostly is um, restricted or taken care of if balance go beyond 50 grams, 100 grams, or even 160 grams. It depends on the brand, it depends on the make. But the major concern is that they have a very good wheel with a very tight tolerance in terms of radial and actual runout, and that's where we kick in quite well. Um, as all wheels are perfectly round, and they, we never have any, any issue in that, uh, in that area. Uh, we may have a couple of remarks or a couple of uh, questions during the year about this. So effectively, uh, our wheels do very well in this uh, in this area. So balancing, yes, it's done, but mostly uh, they are looking at the tolerances uh, of, of tires and wheels and the assembly as, as a whole. Mark, is the, the, is the load rating uh, any different on the steer uh, axle in than in North America? Is there any difference in terms of what we utilize uh, uh, for the wheel and tire and the front axle typically? Most of the heavy-duty trucks, and uh, if I'm well, you're, you're, you're mentioning this class 8, most of them will see a load uh, rate of 8 tons, and half, 9, up to 10 tons. Uh, that's more or less the, the load rates you encounter here on, on, on trucks. 
I'm going to do a little bit of conversions here for our listeners. Uh, Mark mentioned a 50-gram weight. That's about an ounce and a half, uh, 1.6 ounces. So you get sort of an idea when he says the spec is, is 50 grams. They're, they're looking for balance of less than 1.6 ounces. The second thing I wanted to highlight with the tons, when we talk about European tons, that's actually different than a North American ton. Uh, a North American ton is uh, 2,000 pounds, and uh, a European ton is 2,200, if I remember right. When Mark is talking about tons, just <laughs> you, have to, so you yeah. have to increase that by what you think. It's another 10% higher. It's metric tons. That's, uh, metric that's tons. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. But I guess my question to you, Mark, would be when you run – your eight and a half to nine ton like steer axle. Do you guys run like nine inch wheels and 315 tires? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's another difference, uh, Dave. Um, what I see, your portfolio is uh, quite solid in uh, 8.25 wheels, whereas the majority of the tires being used in Europe uh, can only be, be, be mounted on nine inch wheels. So effectively, uh, a vast range of tires for conventional wheels is only to be mounted on nine inches, uh, nine inch wheels. Whereas there is still one tire size left in, in Europe, a 295 uh, 80s series that is uh, using the 825. So 825 is effectively being used only on, on certain coaches, intercity coaches, so buses that run between two major cities. Uh, on trucks, you can still see them, but you hardly see them as the, um, the regular specification for a tire at this moment as a standard is a 31570. Um, but you also meet 315.80 if height doesn't matter, or even the, if you look at volume type of transport, you will be looking into 315.60 or 305.60. So that's more or less the, um, the, the standard tires uh, at this moment. But we even go down in volume to 45 series. Okay, um, which makes sense because technically in this country, there's no way you can load the steer axles up very heavy in this country because of the configuration of a conventional truck and what we run. Uh, you know, we run all six by twos or six by fours over here. Six by fours is, is very prevalent where the six by twos are coming, but you know, a different configuration of trucks. So, I mean, our load ratings are really different. And it seems to me like everything is being driven by that compact package. The, the length law seems to drive, I'm just guessing here, but it, it seems to me like that length law drives the high loads in the, in the steer axle, of course, but it drives pretty high loads at, at all locations and all the way around your vehicles. Mark, do we see higher loading per axle, more axles in Europe than in, in North America? Well, yes, to... Uh... To go back to one of your remarks uh, from Dave, um, so you're looking at a lot of 6x4. Uh, what we do see here in Europe is the majority or the vast majority is 4x2. And then we have uh, a 3-axle trailer uh, that is also uh, a, what I would say, standard over here. So a 4x2 tractor and a 3-axle 
uh, trailer, uh, tridem, as, as, as we call it. And furthermore, in terms of higher loads, no, because the governments are well aware about the the actual loads, but also about the the roads as such uh, in terms of maintenance, in terms of wearing wearing down. Um, they know that axle loads is very important. So we even have uh, in uh, a number of countries a system which is called weighing and movement. So effectively, trucks are being weighed as they are driving, and there's cameras on, on, on the roads that take a picture of uh, any truck that is passing by that has a high axle load. So they more or less seem to take care not only about the gross vehicle weight but also about the individual axle loads. So that's that's quite important. In case, and we do have a couple of countries where uh, they want to take benefit of the, the the truck as such being quite efficient, transporting more goods, they add length but they also add axles. So in the end, the, um, the axle load will still remain the same, but they can increase the gross vehicle weights. Like you had in Scandinavia and Sweden and Finland, you may see rigs going up to nine axles, going up to 70 tons, metric tons plus. Uh, so there the roads are not that dense and quite long, so they have more space and room to allow these long trucks running. In some dense areas in Europe, some experiments are going on with similar uh, road trains, as they call it over here. Uh, these are limited to certain highways and certain trajects where they can operate. You were talking about the uh, the nine inch uh, on the steer. What about the uh, the drive and the trailer sizes? Uh, are those different than in the U.S. as well? I was thinking there was more of a, of a wide base being used on trailers over there than in the standard eight and a quarter here in North America. The vast majority is a is a wide base wheel. The one uh, major uh, wheel size that will be the 22.5 by 11.75, hosting a tire uh, with a dimension 385.65 or 385.55. And I know that this is a bit different from uh, what you see in North America because you have this 12.25 wheel over there for the same tire sizes. So that's another small difference, so to say. The trailer guys have pretty much standardized on that 11.75 wheel yep. design. Last time I was over there, I don't recall seeing anything but 11.75s on the road. Is that pretty much your experience also? Yeah, well, it comes down to when it comes down to volume transport, you may see 19.5 by 14 inch. Initially, we had several offsets, but uh, later in later on, the um, 120 offset uh, kicked in. We have even a, we have a wheel for that. We had a period where we have seen 22.5 by 15 offset 120, pretty much um, in our area where we have this weight sensitive. Trucks, we have this 1175, 22.5, and when it is volume-related or a mix of, of volume-related or weight-sensitive transport, you will be looking at 19.5 by 14-inch uh, 120 offset. I didn't realize uh, they were still making vehicles with the 15-inch wide wheels. It's a kind of a um, situation where the and the 
maximum height of the trailer, it, it didn't match very well. The availability of the tire size and the tire sizes for that, uh, for that wheel, the maximum height and the nut uh, height for loading wasn't just good enough for the majority of transportation uh, operated for uh, volume transport. So the inner clearance of the trailer just did not catch the three meters, which is become or has become a standard in, for instance, transportation of white goods, so uh, washing machines and, and, and that kind of uh, that kind of stuff. So it didn't become that popular. So effectively, what happened is that the 19.5 by 14 inch with a 435-50 or 445-45 tire. Uh, gained much more popularity for, for this type of transport. My next question was, do they run any low profile wide base? You know, 22.5s by 14, you know, uh, wide base at all? Or is it still the, what I would say, the old, it, no low profile? We run all low profiles, that's on wide base here. That was kind of my question. We have uh, 13 inch, 14 inch, um, 22 5, um, but these are mainly used on trailers. You don't see them on drive axles or uh, buses, to say, uh, on the drive. Uh, 13 inch, 14 inch, 15 inch as well are being used on um, trailers in countries where you specifically have an allowance to run with a 10-ton or even 11-ton load on a trailer axle. And then, of course, you will be looking at tire sizes 425-65, 445-65. But it is kind of kind of rare. So we do have them in the program. The other typical thing one needs to know that uh, countries do allow 10-ton or 11-ton in case the distance between the axles trailer are long enough. So the closer the axles in the three them are together, the lesser uh, you are allowed to have trailer axles. So if, for instance, in some countries where the axles are less than one meter 30, um, the load would be on the three them eight tons, metric tons per axle. If it is between 130 and 180, the load uh, is allowed to be 9 tons per axle. And if you go beyond 1 meter 80, it is allowed to have 10 tons on such axles. So depending on the legislation in a particular country, they will apply this setup for a trailer. So and that's where you have uh, 425 and 445-65 tires or 13-inch or 14-inch wheels kicking in. I'm going to just try and do some quick calculations here. You mentioned a 10-ton axle, an axle that takes 10-ton metric yeah. ton. That's 22,000 pounds in that one axle. You said at one point that you could go as high as 11 tons. There are some applications that use an 11-ton axle, which is 24,250 pounds on one axle. Those are pretty, pretty healthy numbers. So it's it's obvious, yeah. You're going to need you're going to need more more carrying capacity in, in every axle end is basically what I'm I'm getting to here. Those are very very 
robust. <laughs> Those are robust numbers for an axle. I guess I, I'm trying to think if we have axles here in the U.S. that that we're carrying 4,000 pounds on an axle. In this country, what is rated is permitting from the states have became extremely big. And permitting means, hey, I got a truck and trailer that's heavier than the 80,000 pounds and they can get it permitted, our axles do get that type. Okay. I know the states will permit to go pretty high loads. Mark, when, when you say it's 10 ton, that's that's a pretty common load on a on an axle, isn't it? 10 mm. metric ton? Yeah, you can, you can see it, but again, uh, it depends on which country you are. So what you see here in, for instance, Germany, we have a five axle a combination, two axle tractor, three axle trailer, you are allowed to carry 40 tons, 40 metric tons on that vehicle. So if you would be looking at how is it distributed, you would be looking at um, 18, 19 or 20 tons on, on the tractor and another 24 tons, 27 tons on the uh, axles of the trailer. However, if you put everything together, so the individual axles may have a higher load, but the, the total amount is always a little bit less because you cannot always, um, how shall I explain, um, distribute the weight right. evenly and exactly. So right. there is some tolerance per axle. So that's, that's 40 tons, uh, for instance, Germany, um, Belgium, for instance, you will be looking with the same, the same configuration, you will be looking at 44 tons same configuration in the Netherlands, which is a little bit on top uh, of all of them, uh, you will be looking at 50 tons. So to reach that 50 tons, you would need three 10-ton axles on the trailer to get to that 50 tons. So if you would fully take advantage of the legislation in the Netherlands, uh, a Dutch truck with a tractor would have three 10 tons axles on the trailer. However, as soon as this truck is going abroad into Germany or into Belgium, the 10 tons axles become very obsolete because you're only allowed to have 40 tons in Germany or 44 tons in Belgium. So, um, and I'm always doing this, but and I'll, I'll just help our, our listeners out a little bit. A 50 ton, 50 metric ton load on a vehicle. They're talking, what Mark is talking about is about 110,000 pounds. Here in the U.S., that would be handled through a special you know, dispensation from the state. Uh, but it's, you know, there in Europe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark, but in Europe, it's just the, the standard legislation that allows you to go uh, in, in certain countries. In, in the northern Scandinavian countries, uh, you're, you're going to be allowed to go 110,000 pounds uh, over the road without having to get any special write-off from anybody. Affirmative, yep. Yep, okay. Now, we were talking about axles here, but I think one of the things that comes up uh, quite frequently as a, a major difference and something that's kind of equalizing here in the U.S. is the use of disc versus drum brakes. Now, it's been a long time since there's been drum brakes in Europe. Is that correct, Mark? Um, in 1996, uh, Mercedes uh, trucks were the first to introduce uh, disc brakes, and not very soon after, you start seeing them appearing on the trailers as well. That's production went quite fast and uh, nowadays uh, drum brakes are are a rarity so to say disc brakes all over all over the place 
assume you have stopping distances, like a truck loaded at a certain load has to stop within a certain amount of distances. That's yeah. what we kind of go by over here, yeah. the stopping distances. Mm -hmm. Is uh, that what drove it in Europe, Mark, or what drove it to uh, disc brakes in Europe? Good question. The, the disc brakes, one of the drivers was maintenance, ease of maintenance, easy, easy exchanging and uh, lower weight. The one and only area so far that has been uh, against the use of, of, of disc brakes is the uh, low deck trailers, where you will be looking at 17.5-inch uh, uh, wheels uh, and tires, uh, because disc brakes do have the disadvantage that uh, heat can uh, easily go up quite fast and at higher temperatures compared to drum brakes. So therefore, we have a tire manufacturer and or some tire manufacturers being um, giving, giving some resistance against mounting their tires on uh, 17 half inch wheels uh, with, with disc brakes. So again, it is easy replacing uh, the disc brake pads. It's easy in maintenance and it has a lower weight too compared to, to drum brakes. So that's basically what, what's driving this, this, this disc brake market. That's interesting. Uh, Dave, the, uh, here in the States, I, I, have, I, I don't recall ever hearing that ease of maintenance drove, any, drove fleets to go with disc brakes. Have, have you seen that in the field? We talk about that quite a bit when we talk about um, disc brakes. But um, what has happened in the country was our stopping distance is what dictates the fleets to do that. And our drum brakes over here has become so much lighter and more to meet those stopping distances. Yeah, so what you're saying, Dave, really is the fact that uh, the benefit is not huge. It's all driven pretty much by the stopping distance and from a, a, an implementation cost, uh, the drum is still cheaper here in North America. Even though there are advantages that Mark's noted, it's still slowly building, but not, uh, not we're at in Europe yet. Absolutely. The big market in disc brakes here right now is like the, the fuel haulers. I don't know of a gas tank truck that doesn't have disc brakes all around. Cryogenic uh, gas people disc brakes the whole way around. I mean, it's becoming more and more prevalent, but the markets that really need to stop quick, when you're on our interstate system here, stopping is not what you want to do whatsoever. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as critical. So the critical markets have already changed over to the disc brakes here. The over-the-road trucks, which is the bulk of our markets, certainly have not. Right. Well, I think that's about all we have time for today. Uh, Mark, I want to thank you for joining us. This has been a great conversation. I, I hope we'll be able to get you back to have some more discussions about Europe. I, I think that the European market is a fascinating market. The little differences between North America and Europe I, I find fascinating. It's, it's just interesting to see how the European market and has developed and also with the knowledge 
that the European market seems to be much more influential globally. And so the key to understanding the global market, I know China, uh, Japan, and uh, South America have pretty much followed the European design model. And so I think it's always valuable to get a really good understanding of Europe to just get that view on what is happening in the rest of the world. So I hope you'll be able to come back and join us again. Any final words you'd like to like to share with us? Oh, oh yes, I'm, I'll be happy to uh, to support you and uh, share my share my findings, share my uh, my knowledge uh, from what I can see here in the, in Europe. And if there's any listeners or any customers uh, from your side that would like to have some some stuff addressed or some uh, have some questions about it i'll be happy to uh, to serve them and to uh, to reply to their uh, questions and uh, yeah sure and i'll be, be uh, looking forward to uh, to hear and see you again and uh, join this uh, this team again so thank you for for your time and thank you for uh, the interest and the questions very interesting yeah thank you mark well, that does it for that's another episode of Behind the Wheels. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation, manufacturing, and technology. Inventing the first forged aluminum wheel in 1948, its team of experts continue to develop the most lightweight, efficient, and high-performing commercial vehicle aluminum wheel products bringing you revolutionary innovations like Alcoa Durabrite wheels, Alcoa Durablack wheels, the new Alcoa wheels hubboard technology, and the lightest truck wheel on the market, Alcoa Ultra One 22 and a half by eight and a quarter wheel. Alcoa wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation.